Good afternoon. This is Father Larry Richards, and this is Anchored in Hope. And uh, we're still here at 3 o'clock because um, we don't have, uh, we hired somebody and they didn't last very long to do the podcast stuff. So we are still looking for a uh, someone to do the the media and that at the Reason for Our Hope Foundation we're hiring. So if you know anybody that this is, you know, they have to be able to get us going at the podcast stuff and put us out in all the social media and all that stuff and um, do advertising and that. We just need somebody. Um, it's a good paying position, so I know nobody wants to work anymore. <laughs> but if there, if you know of somebody that wants to work for the Lord, that wants to bring hope to the world, we really need someone that's going to come and stay for uh, more than a month. Uh, so then we'll start when we're going to move this around. So that's why I just came back from Italy. So literally, so uh, that's why we're still at 3 o'clock when the... Someone has asked stylistic scribe. Thank you for that, but we got to do it until we find another time and we can work all this stuff out. Okay, the first thing we got to do is pray. In the name of the Father and the Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for being with us and caring for us. We thank you for the Jesus, your Son, for dying on the cross for our sins. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. Your Holy Spirit lives inside of us. We just beg you, Holy Father, to let that Spirit explode inside of us more, that we may do your will and only your will. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Mary, Mother of Jesus, pray for us. Good Saint Joseph, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Well, it's been like three weeks uh, since I've talked to everybody. Um, we left right after my, um, Oktoberfest. I want to thank everybody who, uh, participated in Oktoberfest. A good many of you came up to say hi. It was so great to see you. Thanks even more for the people who, uh, bought, uh, Porsche tickets. You know, uh, someone from Texas, uh, actually won the Porsche and it was from somebody watching, uh, not just the podcast, but our masses and that. So, it see it God blesses people and so they took the car and that was a great thing. And so Oktoberfest was a a very great success this year. So again, thank you all who participated. We had a great time on, in Italy. Just came back on Friday night. Um and I've been still trying to catch up, you know, cuz I've been I'm a I'm an early to bed person anyway and I'm an early to rise person, but I've been even going to bed earlier and rising earlier uh trying to get back uh, to regular time here. And so, here we are. And this is a time for you just to come and ask questions and I'll answer those of you who are live, of course, you just put in comments and I'll respond to them as they are. You know, someone uh what was his name? Christopher from Cleveland asked the question. I got a question. How come all those big shot podcasters always wear headphones on the ear, but you don't? It's very simple because I don't have phone calls to take. Um, when I was on EWTN, we were always, I had the earphones on all the time because I had to listen to people's calls. So I don't uh, need to do that because we don't take calls yet. 
Again, hopefully that's part of what we do and we go live and we can do it at night and I can take calls uh, at that time. But right now, uh, we're not there. We are just still waiting. Huh? And encourage you this weekend on Saturday, we're having our first real official one where we have uh, a hope banquet. And so it's a time that we give a, a, a Beacon of Hope Award and... We have a great couple this year, Don and uh, Dan Schaff, who are people of such great hope. They're always living their lives for other people. And they really do pierce the darkness with their lives and what they do. And so we're going to honor them. And every year we're going to be honoring different people who are beacons of hope in the world. And it's also a time for transition so that what we want to do here, soon we're working on it, is that we're not going to any no longer sell any of the talks or anything. Everything's going to be free. And it's all going to be on uh, on an app now or online, and it'll, it'll be uh, tagged. So let's say you're having a depressing day, and you go on the app today, and you say, need hope, or I'm depressed, or something. It'll be able to give you all the talks, not just my talks, but have to deal with depression or how to get through that and how to... Uh, to grow and so what we're going to need more than anything since we're not going to be charging people because i've always had a big problem about charging uh, for anything it's like uh, charging for the gospel and i don't ever want to do that so we're just going to be asking people to uh, be helping us uh, supporting us on a monthly level or whatever just so we can offer everything free of charge so we won't charge anybody we'll just count on people's generosity to keep it going and I have no problem with that uh, some of people on my board were kind of like you can't do that we got to charge people have a subscription fee and everything else and I said no subscription fee again I just feel if this is God's will God has plenty of money he'll take care of this you know like Mother Teresa used to say God has all kinds of money it's in your pockets give it up <laughs> it would be like <laughs> Isn't that bad? But Mother Teresa, she's a saint. But the reality is, if God wants us to exist, if he wants the foundation to exist, then that's what we'll do. And I'm, uh, uh, I only want God's will. So if he says, no, I think it's time for the foundation to end, then God will it. Whatever he wants is uh, what I want. And we just want to be able to, more than ever, bring hope to people um, as best we can, very imperfectly. But to actually be hope, you know, yesterday in the gospel, the first reading, if you go to daily mass, it actually talked about hope and that we need to be people of hope. And the way to be people of hope is by being focused on the Holy Spirit and always trusting that God will always win. That's just the way it is. What we do too often is we get caught up in everything else and the circumstances in our lives or our, what's that going on in my life right now. And we forget that God already has been at the end, that God is good, that all things work together for good, Romans 8.28. That isn't a lie, that's a promise. And so if we trust him, if we just believe in him, then he will make all things work together for good when we surrender ourselves to him. So hopefully you're doing that every day in your own life. You're surrendering yourself to Jesus. You're surrendering and asking the Holy Spirit to take full control of you, uh, and he will. But it's important reality. He will never force himself on us. He always invites us. 
So we always have to say, yes, Lord, I want your will more than my next breath. And then he can uh, do great things in our lives. Okay? So, anyway, this Saturday is, uh, you'll be able to live stream this. You can go to our foundation right now, thereasonforourhope.org, thereasonforourhope.org. And you can, uh, Justin Fatika is going to be the speaker. And Justin's one of my old kids. Uh, and now he goes around the world preaching. And he's, uh, you know, he has a great ministry, Heart as Nails Ministry. So he's going to be there speaking at this banquet on Saturday. So you can live stream all that. If you're in the area, area you can come. Um, I think we still have room there. So, uh, but if you if you can't come, you can live stream us and listen to all the talks and see the awards and all the stuff that's going to be happening. That's this Saturday night. Saturday night, we're going to live stream mass on Saturday, which we normally don't do. Which will be masses at four fifteen p.m. on Saturday, and then uh, we'll follow with the banquet and everything. And so, I encourage you. Uh, to come, you just come to this uh, YouTube station uh, this Saturday at 4.15, and it'd be great to have you. Okay, so let's go and look at some questions that are here. I have some on the side, but let's go here. Uh, last night you talked about surrender and ask, do you just say prayers or do I pray in the power of the Holy Spirit? Can you please give practical plans in surrendering to God's will versus giving up? <laughs> Never give up. What's the matter with you? You always surrender. So what that means is you give up. And if you if you're gonna, you should give up if you're working under your own power. Just give it up. Get out of the way. It's an act of the will, saying, "God, I want Your will more than my next breath." God, fill me with Your Holy Spirit. So when I talked about prayers and praying in the Holy Spirit. It's yesterday, the first reading again from Romans was, we do not know how to pray as we ought. So some of us think we know how to pray and we just say a lot of prayers. And like I said last night, people get irritated when I say these things, but you can be an atheist and say a rosary every day. You can be an atheist and uh, um, go to daily mass. You can be an atheist and do a holy hour. If it's just going through the motions, we can say prayers. Doesn't mean anything. So we don't know how to pray, so we need to make sure that we pray through the Holy Spirit. And the way we know that we're praying in the Holy Spirit is because it brings us into intimacy with the Father. You know, later on, the Scriptures say that the Spirit prays within us and cries out, Abba. So one of the first questions we got to ask ourselves is, what does my prayer life look like? Is it just a bunch of prayers, which I'll talk about in a second. Prayers are okay. Of course they are. But it got to be more than just someone else's prayers that we're repeating, except, of course, for the Lord's Prayer, because that's the actual it's like Scripture, uh, or the Hail Mary, it's Scripture. And so we're repeating Scripture, so it has the power of God there, so the Spirit of God is imbued there if we don't just say a bunch of words. But if the Spirit of the living God is inside of us, and the Holy Word of God says that the Spirit cries out, Abba, Father, Papa, I just like to ask, is, is that the way you pray? Do you ever talk to the God of the universe with the intimacy of the word Abba or Father or Papa or Daddy? Because that's how you know you're praying by the power of the Holy Spirit. He brings you into this great intimacy with God. And I think sometimes we try to fill up our prayer time with a bunch of words, a bunch of prayers that someone else said, and we just keep repeating them. 
But could you imagine if you go, like, again, last night I used the example of St. Joseph. St. Joseph just talked to Jesus and Mary. He didn't have prayers. He didn't say, you are the great Adonai, almighty God. He just talked to Jesus. And I think as we grow in the spiritual life, our prayer has to become a talking and a listening, a relationship, that when you really come to know that God is alive, that he's your father, that he loves you, that nothing will ever happen to you without his okay. He is your protector, except for sin, of course. That's when we do things our way instead of his way. But we are called to this deeper intimacy with God. So that's why always, uh, I'm always talking about praying to the Holy Spirit. I'm always talking about when I do a mission. And I'll be up in Maine, uh, not next week, the following week. And you can go online again and find out where I'm going to be. I'm going to be doing uh, a, uh, a parish mission for a week. And then I'm going to be doing, I'll stay up there for Friday and try to take a time off. Hopefully people will let me take time off. And then on that Saturday, I'm going to be up there doing a, um, a men's conference. So that's not this weekend. It's the following weekend. I'll tell you more about that next week. But again, the last night of every mission, I give out the Cardinal Mercier prayer. And I ask them to say the prayer of surrender to the Holy Spirit every day for the rest of their lives. And again, so that the Spirit of the living God can take control of their heart and their life and the Spirit of the living God can pray within them because we just need the Holy Spirit. We try to live the spiritual life without the Holy Spirit and it just doesn't work because it's our power. It's the old heresy again of Pelagianism trying to work our way into heaven, trying to be good enough, trying all these things. We're not. That's why God came and saved us. That's why God gave us his Holy Spirit. That's why God lives inside of us. That's why we need to surrender ourselves every day. So it begins with the surrender of daily prayer to the Holy Spirit, daily surrender. It doesn't have to be a specific prayer like this morning when I woke up, 3.55, the chapel's right there next to my bedroom where I go first thing, even before I go to the bathroom, everything else, go in front of Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament, kneel down, surrender my life to him and ask the Holy Spirit to use me this day. Ask the Holy Spirit to take control of my life this day. Uh, so it can be in your own words. It does not have to be someone else's prayer. As long as you're doing that and you want God to completely take control of your whole life, not just part of your life. Think about the people who think that are Catholic, that it's enough just to go to Mass on Sunday. That's what makes you Catholic. This 45 minutes to an hour a week. And it just sure isn't. Not even close. What Christianity is about, Catholicism is about, is I no longer live, Jesus lives his life within me every day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, every moment, every second. God is in complete charge of my life. If the only time our relationship with God is going to Mass on Sunday, we're pagans who happen to go to church on Sunday. God doesn't want part of your life. He doesn't want you just to show up on Sunday and say, here I am, ain't I a great person? He wants your whole life or he wants nothing. He wants it all, 100%. He wants you to give up everything for love of him. Why? Because he gave up everything for love of you. And it's a relationship. And so that's why the biggest thing, and some people just say, no, 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 Father. 
again, the more we're in relationship, the more they can tell because we're in intimacy with the Father and we're loving of other people. And if we're not with intimacy with the Father and we're not loving of other people, then we're not in a relationship with God. It's not real. Isn't that judgmental? I'm not judging any particular person. I'm judging the actions of people. So that's allowed. I can't just say that person is not in a relationship with Jesus. I don't know. But I can say that this, uh, if we're not people of intimacy, we're not people of love, all I can say is what Jesus said, right? Jesus said, all people will know you're my disciples. Why? Because you love one another. So again, so if I'm not loving of other people, then I'm not a disciple of Jesus. That's what Jesus says. So Again, that's why some of the things that people are all into their prayer and is my particular way of prayer, I said, does it make you more loving? Does it help you take care of the poor? Does it help you uh, serve others? And if the answer is no, then it's not of God, okay? <laughs> Objectively. So pray the Holy Spirit every day. It's very important. Okay, I listen to Father Larry every day. There's no uh, name here, but anyway, he convinced me to buy a $100 Porsche ticket. Whoa. Thank you. What you what did is you gave a hundred dollar donation to my parish, and that was very necessary. I mean, our our anyway. I'm, but again, I already thanked everybody. But thanks again. I need advice. Is it okay to raise your palms up during the Our Father? I've been doing this, and now I hear it's not okay to hold them in uh, uh, or in style. Please give me your opinion. Well, you'll see it all over Facebook. The miserable stuff. Everybody uses Facebook to push their agenda and so it says it's not allowed right well jesus prayed that way and the whole early church prayed that way as time went on it became only something the priest did and um and so throughout the years the the, the laws have changed and say it's a priest thing uh but you can pray any way you want to pray you got that <laughs> You're allowed to pray any way you want to pray. If the Spirit leads you to raise your hand at the Our Father, then you raise your hands at the Our Father. And when the Pharisees look at you and say, you can't raise your hands, you just keep raising your hands and praising the Father. If that's where God leads you. Because again, these things change depending on who the Pope is, depending on who's on charge, depending on all this reality. And some of the people that say you can't do that, then they don't like the Pope either. So they pick and choose what they're going to follow. Jesus prayed like this. Why? Because when you pray like this, you're surrendering your life to God. When you pray like this, you're saying, Daddy, lift me up. When you pray like this, you're praying, I surrender completely. When you pray like this, you're bringing everybody in the world together. And you're saying, I'm bringing everybody with me, Dad. So it might not be an official style of during the Mass. But you can pray that way. You know, I am sick of us trying to control people and telling them what they must always do. This is what, you know, you can't do that. Oh, stop it. Just stop it, stop it, stop it. If you're praying, God bless you. If you're like this, God bless you. Just don't let it be something that draws attention to you. Make sure it's always directed to the Father. And if it is drawing attention to you, then stop. Because it's not about, when you're at Mass especially, about doing anything that will draw attention to you that would take people away from looking at the Father. So that's the thing. But I mean, some of these things that people go crazy of, really? 
people are killing babies every day and everything else, and we're yelling at people because they raise their hands at the Our Father. I just think that's Phariseeism to the nth degree, complete Phariseeism, you know. And so uh, they tried to remember in the gospel when Jesus, it was one of these past days, and Jesus healed somebody on the Sabbath, and they said, hey, there's more days you can, you can uh, heal people. Uh, six other days, just don't heal anybody on the Sabbath. Don't come here to be healed. And Jesus just said, you hypocrites. We're telling people how to pray. Hmm. Please. That's the way Jesus prayed. It's not an official prayer position anymore uh, in the church during Mass, but it was. I promise you, it was. Again, I went to Notre Dame to get my degree in liturgy. And uh, some of the younger people says, well, we don't really care you went to Notre Dame. Nobody cares you went to Notre Dame, these younger priests. You know, like, oh, thank you. But anyway, but there's history for almost everything that happens during Mass. What happens, again, it becomes who happens to be in charge, what is liturgical and what is not. It's just that simple. You know, so people can yell and scream and carry on and fight with their brothers and sisters about how they pray. When if we would stop fighting each other and start fighting the world, the flesh, and the devil, which we need to be doing, then we could be really united. But when we're fighting amongst ourselves about how we pray, do you think that's of God or do you think that's of the evil one? Do, 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 do. <laughs> I'll let you answer that question yourself. So let's go on. Good afternoon from Kingston, Jamaica. Good afternoon. It's good to have you from Kingston, Jamaica. Okay. It's good to be back, Michael. Thank you. I had a great time in Italy. Great, 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 great people that were with us the, 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 the 10 days. We had a, it was just great. Uh, it wasn't a vacation for me in any way, shape, or form. Everybody's, oh, it must have been a great vacation, Father. I've already been to all these places we were at. I just had to make sure that I uh, kept everybody safe and we got everybody together, these 30 people. So I was always like a little stressed. Uh, but these people were the best of the best. So it was good to be with them. And, uh, you know, lifelong uh, friendships occurred because of that. And that's what a great blessing. Okay, how would you catechize and introduce elementary children towards building a relationship with Jesus? First of all, you talk about Jesus as a person. I think one of the uh, best things that's happened with this Chosen series is it shows a real Jesus. Often we see Jesus in these holy pictures and holy cards, that Jesus is like... Uh, uh, perfect, and he has his heart out, and it's beating, and all this stuff, and he, he is like a, a caricature, if you will, but Jesus was a real person. Like I was saying to one of my spiritual directees yesterday, Jesus went to the bathroom. You got that? He had to go and squat like everybody else. Father, that's inappropriate. No, it's not. He was like us in all things but sin. And we got to remember that because what we do is we take away all his humanity and just focus on divinity. And that's a heresy. Jesus Christ is 100% God and 100% man at the same time without losing either. 
It's called the hypostatic union. So it, I think it's just important that we come to know that Jesus as a real person. That's why, again, at Mass, at the end of Mass, if you've ever watched me at Mass, every day I say the same thing. Go back, have a seat, close your eyes, ask Jesus to hold you. Put your head on his chest, listen to his heartbeat. Every time his heart beats, he says, I love you, I love you, I love you. I want people to go into intimacy with Jesus. Now, why? Because that's what Jesus wants. huh? It just is when you read the scriptures. Jesus Christ, who is God, left heaven and got inside our flesh just to be with us. Jesus Christ, who is God, let us beat him, crucify him, and kill him to prove that he loves us. And so he wanted to be like us in all things but sin. And he is. And to me, that's why when people watch like Chosen for the first time, it hits them that Jesus is a real person. He's not just a caricature of God. He's God in the flesh. And that's just important. So for me, when I realized Christ had to go to the bathroom, that Mary had to wipe his uh, butt as, as she cleaned, cleaned his diaper, you know, she, you know, Jesus had to wear a diaper, you know that. And she had to clean him just like all mothers and fathers clean their babies and wipe them and uh, put diapers on them. He wanted to be like us in all things. And so that's the type of imagery sometimes you just use when it comes to grade school kids. And that's what I've done throughout the years is I'll use images, maybe not the bathroom thing for kids. It's more of an adult thing because they would just giggle anyway. But to sit there and think that, you know, Jesus was a, a boy just like you once upon a time. Jesus know what it's like to be a seven-year-old because he was a seven-year-old. Jesus knows what it was like. It says he was obedient to his parents. To, to really get them to experience Jesus as a person. And then when you can go even deeper, and it says, and Jesus who's alive and who is the God-man loves you. Because I believe that what we do, and you've heard me say this before, but before God gave the Ten Commandments, he first set his people free from their slavery. Too often what we do is we put commandments on people who've never experienced being set free from their sin and their slavery by Jesus Christ. That's why it just doesn't work. Huh? They don't even know Jesus. And the only thing we tell them is you have to obey these rules or you're going to hell. So people obey the rules, not because they're in love with God, which is the greatest of all commandments. They obey the rules because they sure as hell don't want to go to hell. And I think you always got to even ask your own self, why do I follow Jesus? So I go to heaven, so I don't go to hell. Am I constantly preoccupied with hell? And if I am constantly preoccupied with hell, what does that say about my relationship with God? Did God create me to damn me? God created me to be with him forever in heaven, according to the teaching of the church. And then he does everything in his power to make sure I get there. He comes, becomes one of us, takes your sins, takes my sins, pays the penalty, and resurrects from the dead. He paid for our sins. So I think 
that God does everything in his power as God to save us. I don't think that. I know that. That's the teaching of the church. And so I got to believe that and trust that, that God wants me in heaven. God did not create me for hell. God did not create me for purgatory. Might I go to purgatory? Eh, I don't think, but I deserve it. But I always pray to St. Joseph for a happy death, which means, you know, you always pray for a happy death that you uh, get all the sacraments and plenary indulgence, everything at the moment of death, so you don't have to go to purgatory. I an old priest, it was mythies. Everybody has to go to purgatory. That's not the teaching of the church. I have no plans of going to purgatory. Now, God might have plans to send me there, and God is justing and doing anything he wants. But I know that Jesus took my sins upon himself. And I just got to be so grateful and focus on him and be grateful for him, what he did for me. And const- instead of constantly being afraid of going to hell and constantly being afraid of all these things, because one is thanksgiving to God and the other one is selfish preoccupation. So we don't want to be doing that, huh? So let's uh, talk to them about the love of Jesus. That doesn't mean we don't go to hell. That's not what I'm saying. God will give us what we want. And if we don't want him, by definition, that's hell. But to just scare people into following God, that is not free will. Because where there is no freedom, there can be no love. And if you're just afraid, there is no freedom, so there cannot be true love. Again, perfect love casts out fear. So, we got to be real. We got to know that I deserve damnation. We got to know that Jesus died because sin is very real. Sin, if he doesn't die for it, will damn us forever. Sin will separate us from God. But Jesus came and he paid the penalty for that so that I can live with him forever. As long as I keep surrendering my heart and my life to him and doing his will and trying to be holier, we're already holy, but growing in that holiness. That's just the whole point. And again, that's the reality. That's what we got to be living. Okay, so let's go to a question here. I'm confused about confession. Well, let's try to help you, Lisa. When we go and make a good confession with a contrite heart and say the penance given to us, are we then wiped clean? Yes. Meaning, if I got hit by a car and died, will I go straight to heaven? Maybe. I've been told that we still have to go to purgatory, as I just said, because of the sins we've committed. Okay, now let's look at it this way. The teaching of the church is, When we go to confession, all our sins are forgiven, and Jesus paid the penalty for them. But in justice, we got to try to bring healing back to the body. So let's say, for instance, you come and you break all the windows of my car. That wasn't very nice, but let's say you broke all the windows of my car. And then you come to me and say, Father, I'm very sorry. And I go, I forgive you. You will not... um, go to jail. I will not even report you, though you should, though you should do all those things. I will not hold it against you. The only thing I ask is that you fix the windows or you pay for the windows to be fixed in justice. Because you just can't go around and say, you know, you steal a million dollars off somebody and say, oh yeah, I stole a million dollars. I'm going to confession. Oh, I'm sorry. Part of justice is you have to get that million dollars back to them. Correct? So the same with God is a God of mercy and a God of love. So the God of uh, uh, mercy pays for my sins. But then he says, I want you to bring healing and justice back uh, to the body of Christ, which is his body. So what happens is, is 
that the the longer if I broke one window, I, if you broke one window, you have to pay for one window. If you broke ten, you have to pay for ten windows. I don't know if I have ten windows, but anyway, if you did that, you got the point. And so the same when we uh, sin, Jesus pays for it. But another way, as we talked about purgatory before, is that if I die in a state of grace, meaning that I have no mortal sins, I still have that selfishness, which is venial sin. And we all have it. You know, I'm just, I, I get, I'm not even surprised anymore by my selfishness. I'm just, you know, I just sit there and think, really? You know, I came back on, uh, by, uh, I had mass on Sunday night and I was still on Italy time. And I come in, I wasn't in a very good mood. And, I'm, uh, and so then the old youth director and that they were talking, so did you get the angry Father Larry or the, uh, the rushed Father Larry? Oh, a little bit of both that night. And I'm thinking, what the heck? Uh, there's still so much of me that needs purified. So God, who is love, if the day I die, I'm in a state of grace, and so are you. The God of love embraces us and pulls us to himself. And this love is a fire, and it purifies us because heaven is the place where God loves us. We love him, and we love each other forever. So we need to be purified of that selfishness. So as God pulls us close to himself, he burns away all the selfishness and sin that we still cling to and purifies us so we can enter the kingdom of love. Huh? So, yes, you could go right to heaven. Uh, purgatory isn't, uh, you know, uh, if you ever read uh, anything by uh, Pope Benedict, he talks about purgatory and he says it can be an instant, a, uh, a click thing and some people said oh no you have to stay there for hundreds of years first of all there's no time in heaven or in purgatory time doesn't exist anymore we used to talk about it in that way just to give us a concept or reality of what that means but by definition we're beyond time the day you drop day dead time has stopped for you you now enter the eternal nowness of god so what does that look like we don't know the only thing we, again, have talked about purgatory is that one, it exists, and two, it's a good and holy thing to pray for the dead. But it's a place of purification so we can enter the kingdom, so all that selfishness. So, but if you, uh, the church uh, gives to people the moment they die, Catholics, uh, plenary indulgence. So that's why, especially if you have the last rites, you, I always tell people all the time, if you sit there and uh, you go to confession and you really repent of everything and you have no uh, attachment to sin and venial, if you drop dead, pretty good possibility you're going right to heaven. Being purified, maybe, but it's a purification and the love of God. That's what it is. Okay, so hopefully that helps you. And again, other people say, no, that's not right. Well, believe what you believe. I'm just telling you what the... Uh, theologians have talked about throughout the years and sometimes people will go back to something from uh, vatican one and say look at this let them be an anathema anyone that says this and then we say good you got that so you know in vatican council one it says let them be an anathema if you don't uh, support the pope let them be an anathema your soul is in danger of eternal damnation if you don't support the pope well then they dismiss all that kind of stuff because again we pick and choose what we believe everybody does it and that's a problem so i'm just telling you if you ask me i'll give you what i tell you okay <laughs> boy we're going slow today aren't we i'm so sorry okay if mother Teresa said it it's written in stone you got that audrey 
Uh, hi, Father. I've heard you talk about the miraculous medals. Where can I buy one? Oh, my. You can buy them anywhere. Just go to Google and put a miraculous medal and you'll find them. You can also go to, um, I buy a bunch of them from uh, St. Paul uh, Street Evangelization. They sell, they're the cheapest place to buy miraculous medals, and you can buy hundreds of them at a time. Little ones, bigger ones. Again, I just took a bunch of them with me to Italy. And so, again, every uh, time when I'm leaving a tip for the cleaning lady, I always uh, take one of the miraculous medals, I bless it, and then I put the card with it, and then I say thank you with a uh, uh, financial tip. And so that way they're getting some things for their body and also some things for their soul. But St. Paul Street Evangelization, you just put St. Paul uh, Street Evangelization Miraculous Medals in Google and it'll show you all the stuff. Um, they are a great, uh, great group up there. Outside. They're out of, they operate out of Michigan. Great, great group, St. Paul Street Evangelization. So that's a great place to get the medals. Okay, this is Marcella. Hi, Marcella. I'm looking for some guidance. Okay, we'll try. I attended a charismatic retreat uh, recently. The speaker was supposedly Catholic. <laughs> there were three things that felt were against the church's teaching. Okay, number one, we can just tell God to take our disease and illness away. That is our doing if we're sick. I was taught that sometimes God gives you a cross for a greater good. It's... Uh, that's true. Of course, we can ask God to heal us. Uh, of course, uh, sometimes, I mean, again, uh, everybody dies. That's the part of it. You know, uh, Jesus Christ, who is the son of God, died for our sins. He suffered a horrible suffering. But it, uh, we can ask God to heal us because in the scriptures, you know, just this past Sunday, you know, uh, they were crying out to Jesus, the blind man, Bartimaeus. Uh, Jesus, have pity on me. Jesus, have pity on me. And Jesus called him over and says, what would you like me to do for you? I want to see. And Jesus said, your faith has saved you. So our faith in Christ can bring us healing. He has healed me physically on more than one occasion. Unbelievably, how faithful God has been to me. And he's healed me miraculously. And he's used me to heal others miraculously, especially at parish missions. And so that's a great thing. So, of course, miracles, I think part of the problem is we don't think that God is good and he doesn't want to perform miracles. Of course he performs miracles. Sometimes he makes his victim souls. Sometimes it's time for us to go, and he uh, lets us go through the suffering, but we don't do it alone. But, of course, he said, ask and you shall receive. So we can do that. Two, uh, we can learn to speak in tongues. I speak in tongues. Uh, I was uh, very much against it when I was young. And then when I read the scriptures, the scriptures are filled. St. Paul says, I'm glad I speak in tongues more than any of you. It's called Golosia. It's the Greek for it. And of course, if people don't speak in tongues, then the scriptures are liars. And there's three different kinds of tongues, okay? And this is Catholic spiritual, uh, Catholic charismatics. It's part of the charismatic. If you want to, you know, Ralph Martin, who's one of the biggest uh, Catholic speakers in the church today, he'll talk about all this stuff. He was there when the Catholic charismatic movement uh, started. And uh, 
But speaking in tongues, there's three kinds of tongues. There's the tongue of prophecy, which means that it's done in a prayer group and there's an interpreter of that, that tongue there. It's to bring prophecy to the group. There's the tongue of praise, which is a person, we, a, prayer, a prayer tongue where you pray where it says again into uh, yesterday's readings that we do not know how to pray as we ought. So the Spirit of God prays within us signs and moans that cannot be understood that would be a, a, a prayer tongue and that's again in romans eight and then um there's the the tongue of evangelization that what the apostles did when the holy spirit came upon them and they spoke in one tongue and everybody else heard it in another but again this is very scriptural now some people what they did is dismiss that and says well that was the early charismatic multi uh thing in the early church but it's no longer there god isn't that way he doesn't give gifts and then take them back so um of course you can speak in tongues and i'd encourage you to say like you just said that's not part of the catholic teaching of course it is do studies on it read up on it and there's a lot of good stuff on it three she laid hands on people and had them falling on the floor it felt staged Yes, there was a Catholic priest there. No, he didn't stop it. Um, it's called being slain in the spirit. I've prayed over people for 32 years, and a lot of times they have fallen, especially at charismatic groups. And it happened all the way back at St. Teresa Avila's time. And when a person is slain with the spirit, it means their body is not in tune with the spirit of the living God. So when the spirit of God comes upon them, it like reboots them. And like if you reboot your computer, it's like a reboot. I was slain in the spirit years ago. I've told the story many times. I'm not going to tell it now uh, here. But it is part of the reality. Uh, and I am a Catholic priest. And if you, uh, if you haven't uh, got it yet, my church is St. Joseph Church, the Bread of Life Community. The Bread of Life Community is a charismatic community or charismaniacs or charismatics, whatever you want to call us. But... People don't understand. And so it'd be okay if they didn't understand and uh, didn't condemn. But usually people, if they don't understand stuff, they condemn things. But I'm telling you, the Spirit of the living God works through all those things. And we just got to be open. As long as it's part of the teaching of the Roman Catholic Church, it's okay. And again, we, we have Life in the Spirit seminars that we put on in the parish and that teaches people how to speak in tongues and prophecy and all those type things. It's not, um, uh, I think what's happened, the charismatics, you know, if you used to go to Franciscan University and it used to be very charismatic, it's not charismatic anymore, it's very orthodox. And the problem is when we become orthodox without a charism, a charism makes sure the orthodoxy is in the spirit. When we don't have the spirit in orthodoxy, it becomes Phariseeism. It becomes judgmentalism. That's why it's so important. Everything, especially when it comes to charisms, is by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, and the Holy Spirit isn't some, you know, uh, fringe thing in the church. The Holy Spirit is Almighty God. You know, you must believe in the Holy Spirit. You must surrender the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit is, inside, is not inside of you, you are not of God. You are not a Christian. The day you got baptized, the Spirit of the living God came down upon you and lives within you. Paul says, do you not know that you are the temple of the living God? 
So the Holy Spirit isn't a fringe. The Holy Spirit is the core of what it is to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, what it is to be a person who is Catholic. And so it doesn't always, the Spirit, that's why what's so great about the Spirit, the Spirit does not obey us. We obey Him. We do not tell Him. Remember, Again, if you read the Acts of the Apostles, the Acts of the Apostles is filled with the Holy Spirit from the very beginning. They were afraid until the Holy Spirit came upon them. And who was with them when they were praying? The Blessed Mother. Very important. The spouse of the Holy Spirit was there. And so what happens, and then the whole thing about, they're talking about, how did you receive the Holy Spirit? We didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. And then there was other ones that weren't baptized, and you got the Holy Spirit. And Peter says, how did you get the Holy Spirit and you haven't baptized? Because the Spirit does what he wants. Why? because he is God and we are not. And what happens is often we try to tell God, this is the way you must work. And God looks at us and laughs. God is so much bigger than we are. And we got to know that, believe that, and live that truth. So if that's not your thing, I mean, again, when I was in college seminary, uh, they were having a life in a spirit seminar. And my, one of my friends, who's a priest now too, uh, he said, hey, Larry, you want to go to the life and spirit seminar? And I go, oh, no, thank you. And he goes, why not? And he goes, oh, because that's not, I said to him, that's not my spirituality because I do a holy hour every day. Way back then, I still did a holy hour. My prayer is a quiet prayer, usually. And so he goes, oh, I thought you were going to be ordained for all the people of God, not just those people in your prayer style. Oh, and that convicted me. So I went and I did life in the spirit, and I was so impressed by the way God works. Oh, was I impressed. And I saw the power of God living in daily people's lives, in holiness, in power, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. And so I saw that power of God and the, the fruit because you can always tell a tree by its fruit. And so I just saw such great things. So don't ever be afraid of the Holy Spirit. You got to detest all spirits, please, because there are people that uh, even when they say they're praying in tongues, they're moving their mouth. And it's not of the Holy Spirit. So, of course, you got to test all these things. There are some people that fall down all the time. There are some people that say, I'm going to heal you. Eh. All prayers should be whatever you want. Lord, I ask for healing, but I want your will in my life, whatever that is. You can never go wrong by saying that. You got it? Always say, I just want your will, whatever that is. And you will always be in the will of God, as long as you want that with all your heart. Okay, let's continue here. How do we get out of the way? Oh, I'm trying to constantly get out of the way. But it's, again, by surrendering yourself to the Spirit of the living God. It's an act of the will. Um, The way I, and again, I'm not the best one for this. I can give you some. You know, when I wrote the book Surrender, it's a whole book on just how to get out of the way. And it, again, it has to do with the Holy Spirit. And it all has to do with letting him be in charge of our lives and my prayer life and every other part of my life, knowing that the, all the good is within me is by God's power and the Holy Spirit and Jesus and the Father, and it's not by me. 
And so it begins with the mindset that it's all God, it's not me. And that's not a false humility, that's just truth. All that is good within me is from God. All that is evil within me is from me. So I have to focus more on him and less on me. And that's a good way to get uh, begin it anyway. Okay, Adam says, uh, God bless you, Father Larry, through your ministry, Christ has transformed my life. Great. God is so good. Keep praying, keep praying, keep praying. Today you said at 7 a.m., true prayer that really struck me. I've heard those words many times. Now I'm starting to understand. Thank you. Well, good. I'm not sure what the true prayer is, but I'm glad it struck you. Bruce, here we go, Adam. When committing a mortal sin, does the Holy Spirit still live in you or do you return to a pre-baptism state? Do you ever see the possibility of for face-to-face confession through FaceTime Zoom? I don't know if that ever be able to happen. Who knows? But before this, you weren't able to give blessings uh, through the waves, and then Pope Francis says you can. So uh, it could be a developed theology, but when it comes to the first part, so I don't know if we ever do that. I don't believe that the Spirit leaves you when you commit mortal sin. Now, let me have a caveat there. Because traditional uh, theology says it does. The reason I don't believe that is because the only way we can ever repent is by the power of the Holy Spirit, not by our own will. So I can't even begin to say, I repent without the gift of God of the Holy Spirit. So there's no grace. If there is no grace, there is no repentance. Nothing in me can change. That's why there's this Pelagianism. It's hit into our theology that says, oh, no, I can do that without the Holy Spirit. No, you can't. You just can't do anything without God. You can't even take your next breath. So especially it comes in a spiritual life. It's all by the Holy Spirit. Now, we bind the Spirit. We do all these things We because uh, he, uh, he respects our freedom. But the Spirit must be present for us to repent. He must be. So whatever that looks like, I don't have, uh, I'm not a theologian where I can explain that in a way that would fit all, hit all the, uh, the theological points about how that could happen or couldn't happen. But I just know that somehow it always happens, that we cannot even begin to repent without the grace of the Holy Spirit within us. So how that works, I don't know. Okay. We go on, my wife have, My wife and I have two children that are three years old, and sometimes going to Mass live is difficult. Is it okay to occasionally watch Mass um, via live stream? It is. The church has always taught that, that uh, taking care of kids is allowed um, for missing of Mass. Not all the time. Again, if uh, a lot of families, what they do is one will stay home with the kids and one will go to... Uh, mass themselves and then they'll switch later on in the day um, but again like traveling um, taking care of children all that has been uh, sick being afraid of COVID all that is excuses again it's not just the the third commandment it's a it's a precept of the church and we all know that because the church gave us permission not to go to mass during COVID and they couldn't do that if it wasn't just a precept of the church and I, I don't mean it just Going to Mass is very, 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 very important. Receiving the true body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus physically is very, very, very important. But if you can't, for various reasons we talked about, yes, you can do it live streaming. 
Okay. Rose, thank you, Father, for clear teachings and dispelling lies. Thank you, Rose. Searching the archives. I don't know how to say this concisely. I think scruples are a gift. A gift Jesus has given to show our trust in him. When you finally step off the cliff and put your trust in him, it's amazing. Um, there is a pamphlet by Father Willie Doyle. I would recommend anyone who suffers from scruples. Our Lord is so close to you. Would love to hear your thoughts uh, on this. For fear is nothing but surrender that helps the, the reason. If you get out of scruples, then of course it would be a gift. But if you stay in scruples all the days of your life, the problem that is not of God is because it keeps you focused on you. And Christianity is never the focus on self. It's always the focus on others, huh? That's the whole point. So we gotta, uh, it's the forgetfulness of self, not the focus on self. So when we're always focused on our sins and our, our sinfulness, then we lose grace. We're, I mean, not lose it. We're not focused on grace. We're focused on our own earning salvation instead of Jesus earning salvation for us. So one makes us grateful. The other one makes us focus on self. So when I'm dealing with people that are scrupulous in confession, I'm really hard on them. It's we meet them where they're at, but then they got to grow beyond that. You got to grow beyond scruples or you only stand focused on yourself. And so that's a, a big thing. And that's uh, my opinion. You'll find other things. I have not read that uh, uh, pamphlet, but I, I'm going to look it up, God willing, and uh, if I have a chance, and see what it says. We, uh, again, fear, if it focuses us on ourselves, which is fear of punishment, then the evil one causes us to stay fearful. God comes to set us free from fear, Right? How many times in scripture did Jesus says, be not afraid? It is I, be not afraid. So when we focus on ourselves or the situation or the past, we're always afraid. We get scrupulous. When we focus on Jesus in the future, we're set free from all that. So I think that scrupulosity can be a good place to begin, but it should never be where you end. You need to go beyond that. You need to grow. You need to be set free from focus on yourself and your sinfulness and be grateful for what Jesus Christ has done for you. But it takes time. You know, there's no uh, snapping fingers a lot of times. It just takes time for all these things. So um, there you go. So the last question here. I heard all your talks about putting others first, and I know about forgiveness when Jesus says 70 times 7. But does that mean we take abuse from someone, mom, who keeps causing us strife? No, it does not. And when I talk about forgiveness, it doesn't mean that you allow people to hurt you, you allow people to make you a victim, you allow people to abuse you. Of course not. Absolutely not. <laughs> you sit there and you are strong and you say, if you like, if you ever hit me again, like my mother, I told you before, she once looked at my father who was a bad alcoholic and says, if you ever touch me, I'll kill you while you sleep. Don't ever do that. But my mother said that. See, I just like to be real with you people because this is the exact truth. Now, uh, like once I had a kid, a man who was a, I was abused, went to hit his kid. He heard, he heard his kid. And he said, I said to him, if you ever do that again, I will beat you with a bat. Don't you ever hurt someone else like that. And I was like, 
Well, because sometimes anyway, bullies can will stop being bullies as if they're bullied themselves or they're, they know that they're going to pay a consequence. It's easy to be a bully to people and hurt them. But the reality is this. You never stay in an abusive situation. You always, that is not God's will for you to be abused. Come on. He created you to be free. He died on the cross to set you free. So forgiveness does not allow them to keep hurting you or abusing you. It means that you no longer hold that against them because as long as you don't forgive, you will always stay a victim. As soon as you forgive, they no longer have power over you. They now stop abusing you. But you can, you know, anyone that hurts you, you can get them out of the house or get out of the house yourself. There's no reason to stay in those type of uh, situations, uh, especially if someone else you know is getting hurt. You don't have to do that, okay? Anyway, I got to go. I'm so glad it was be able to be here with you again this week. Uh, again, we want to move this to at night. We want to take phone calls and do all that kind of stuff, but we need someone to do that. So we're going to, again, we're looking again for someone uh, to do that for the foundation. So if you're interested and you know somebody this would be perfect for, have them send their resume to Mary Therese Craig here at the foundation, all the information's online, and uh, we're looking for somebody that could be you. Okay, thanks for watching. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless, keep, and protect you. He who is Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you. Please pray for me.